Right now, what I want to do is turn to our time of the message. This is part six of our series, What's Next? We're looking at what is it that God values and where is it that God is already at work? How does that inform who we are as a church family? Are we valuing what God values? Are we seeing the vision that God has for us as a church? What's next for us? What, what's going to be happening in the future? No matter how you're connected with us, whether it be just online or whether it be in person or whether it be uh, in, in the Thursday night groups or other groups that, uh, that, that we have as well. In whatever way you're connecting with us, we want to talk about what's next. But this is not something that we invent, that we just daydream, that's just based on our opinions. No, we go to the scripture to have a sense of what God is already doing to help inform that. And we're just, to help us with that, we're revisiting a slide that we've had up and available, visible to everyone every week for over a decade in our life as a church family. And here's what, how it helps us. It's these phrases. We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. We see a church serving the city with love that works. Now, we, I want to be, uh, so we're today in part six, we're on serving the city with love that works. And it's really important if you haven't gotten the other parts of this, that you do get the other parts of this to get the whole context, the whole meaning of what's going on. Or it might seem a little odd, um, a little bit out there, uh, or maybe even not specific enough, but we talked last week about our responsibility as a church family to be loving on each other, caring for each other, welcoming each other, getting to know each other, listening with an intent to understand each other um, so that we can really be building a true unity, a true sense of community so that everybody can have a sense of belonging. But that responsibility is on us, the existing members of the church family, to welcome in those that would come in. And this year we're going to see that happen in a variety of different ways. And so it's important that we have the right perspective on that. But all of this is set in the context of the good news of Jesus. Well, what is the good news of Jesus? Well, quite simply, it's this. Forgiveness for your mistakes is possible. New spiritual life here and now is possible. New spiritual life in heaven to come is possible through Jesus Christ. Jesus came, he said, to seek and save the lost. That's people who knew they needed spiritual help. And when he did that, he said, hey, you've got to confess where you've been wrong and turn away from it. And it's toxic selfishness, where selfishness has gotten to a place where it's unhealthy for you and unhealthy for the people around you. Jesus calls that out and says, hey, confess that and turn away from it, and you'll find forgiveness through me. Jesus says, new spiritual life will be available to you. So all the rest of these values of our church, vision of our church, comes from that place. And we're going to look at some scriptures today, but the scriptures today that we're going to be looking at are all set for the context, for the people who have experienced this salvation. They have experienced this new spiritual life. And if you're not at that place yet, we want to offer to help 
through relationship, through answering questions, through sending you a purple book, which has a question and answer format that will help you learn about what this good news of Jesus really means. What's the purpose? What, what's the implications? How does it have an impact on my life? And why do we have these relationships? Why do we do everything that we do? We want to be able to send you that, uh, a free Bible, send you all that free of charge, but also make people available to you that can help walk you through that. So it's all set in this context. Whoa, I've been forgiven of the past. I've been made clean. I've been made new. I can have new spiritual life, new spiritual strength here on earth and in heaven to come. So it really changes my perspective. Over the past year dealing with coronavirus, what has made a huge difference in my own uh, finding peace of mind in the midst of all these challenges that we faced and things that are beyond our control has been every day starting my morning with thanking God for salvation. So I hope that that's something that you're learning to do uh, because everything else we're going to talk today is set in that context. Now what I want to do, let's come to Jesus Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, which we read on March 5th, as we are together as a church family, we're reading the New Testament this year. We started January 1st with Matthew chapter 1, and somewhere around 20 verses a day uh, that we're going on a journey together, that you see that all the dates and the passages on our website, and that's something that we're discussing. It's a way that we're sharing the spiritual journey and collaborating and engaging and asking questions about it and, and learning. It's something that we're doing that's helpful. And you can jump in at, at any point. Uh, we want to make it as easy for you as possible. But let's have a look at Jesus, something that he said that was really important. Mark, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. Well, there were other religious leaders that were challenging Jesus. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, he's specifically referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, particularly the law of Moses. Um, so he's saying, of all the commandments, which is most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, the one true living God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Greater than, more valuable than, more important than. Hey, these are the priorities. Love God with the best of your energy and love your neighbor in the same way that you take care of yourself. Now, it's important for us to remember that this is the agape love word which we talked about last week, which means to have love for someone based on sincere appreciation and high regard. It's not for what I can get out of you. It's not selfish. I love someone based on a sincere appreciation and a high regard. It's a genuine loving concern and respect. It's love that is faithful, patient, kind, and not selfish. That's the word that's being used here. Love God this way because God's already loved you that way and love other people this way. Now, Jesus is referring to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, a letter from Moses to the people where he's quoting what God said to the people. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's God gave Moses these words to teach the people about the priority of their wholehearted devotion to him. 
Now, in a revolutionary breath, Jesus equates that command to love God with the best of our energy to Leviticus 19.18 that says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And it was repeated with a racial implication in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34, which says, Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God is making an important statement, a, a statement to the value system of equality. The value system of take care of others, even people that you look at with a racial prejudice, don't look at them that way. Care for them in the same way you take care of your own people. This is amazing. Jesus is quoting also here, Father God who's made promises to people and asked them in turn to receive the love that he's given them than to love God wholeheartedly and to show the same kind of love for other people. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, this is the most important. And I think that should cause us to sit up, lean forward, and pay attention. And what we see is that the people who heard Jesus say it took this very seriously. And just point out a few places where we get evidence of that. First John chapter 4, verse 19, uses this agape love word. We love each other because he first loved us. So really important for us to have a look at. We're not being asked to love other people based on our own love, just out of the strength that we currently have. No, we're being asked to love other people because God first loved us. We receive that love from God and now we have love to spare, love to give, love to share. Continuing on with this thought, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 12. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Anywhere we miss the mark. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now again, all of those are agape love words. Saying, hey, God loved us first. So let's live out of a thank you. Let's grow up into this ability to share that love with other people. It will build unity among us. This is mentioned in a bunch of places, but just a couple more. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. If you love your neighbor, agape love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. And remember, these are written to people just like us, with strengths and weaknesses, with current events that were beyond their control, that were going through extended periods of stress but people that had received salvation. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, toxic selfishness. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Again, the agape love word and this other word, serve. Serve one another in love. For the whole law, what God has said to us, can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, okay, so... 
Serving the city with love that works is coming from God's value system. What God cares about, what God's thinking, what God's already doing. And here we get this word, serve. Well, Jesus said, Luke chapter 22, verses 20 through 27, that the, the most important thought there, he says, I am among you as one who serves. And the word that Jesus used there, serve, means to give help by performing certain duties, often of a humble or menial nature. What that means is choosing acts of service to, that show love and respect. Serving someone else is showing that I'm, I care about you, um, I, I see you, I hear you, I hear your name, I, I, I hear what you're saying, um, your life experience is, and what you're saying that you need, and I genuinely care about you, and I want to help meet that need. But not just, I'm going to come in and assume that what I think is right, and I'm going to come in and do the things because I'm in a better place. No, it's actually coming lower than. I, I, I'm coming with humility, and I'm being willing to do actions of small tasks, what seem like small things. And that's really important for us to understand the actual words that were being used and what Jesus meant by that. That was the example Jesus gave us. Um, And here's Jesus again talking to his followers. And if we're following Jesus, we really need to listen to this. John 13 verses 14 through 15. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus is literally saying, I have served you as a teachable moment. Do what I'm doing. Serve each other. Be people who serve. Continuing at John chapter 12, verse 26, Jesus says, Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Saying, God the Father is going to honor you. You're going to be blessed in life if you're willing to serve. To serve Jesus, to serve other people. So that's where we get this phrase, serving the city with love that works. So why do we say serve the city? Well, God has a lot of thoughts about cities that we find in scripture and that are relevant to us. And in fact, it in the even the idea of heaven includes the city of our Lord. God is a city builder. God is into cities. Now he created the wilderness and nature and farms and gave us the idea for all these other things in rural settings as well. But God cares about city. God designed cities and God specifically revealed to us a dream for a church in the heart of a city. And we are, if you look at the the city limits of Baltimore, we're around the middle of the city with half of our church being in Hamden, half of our church being in Waverly. We're in the, we're in the middle of the city and God speaks to his people about their role within a city. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse seven, God speaks to his people about how they should live in a city where they were in exile. So even not their favorite city, a city with real problems and a city where they were experiencing suffering. Here's what, here's what God said. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is calling people to a lifestyle of prayer, of devotion, of love, to acts of service, to working for the good of the common people in the city. 
work for a shalom peace where every every person is brought to a place of health. Work for the common good. That's a part of God's value system. And it's included in this uh, summary about it. That's one of our key verses as a church. Psalm 107 verses 6 through 7. Talking about the, the people of Israel. Lord help! They cried in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety to a city where they could live. God is into cities. God wants us to find safe harbor in cities um, where there can be healing and freedom. And that's part of why we say serving the city with love that works. That's what we see as a church. Now works. Let's talk about that. So listen, one of the radical things about Jesus is that he does not teach that you need to do stuff to be forgiven of your sins. You need to do stuff to have this gift of new spiritual life or the hope of heaven in the future. No, no, no. That's just receiving what Jesus has already done for you and turning away from your toxic selfishness. We receive it by grace and it's a gift of salvation. We don't do good works to become better people. No, no, we don't do that. But living life and getting active as a thank you to God, is a part of God's value system and what we're instructed to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we, believers of Jesus, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. God's given each of us strengths and weaknesses. God has given us gifts. God has given us abilities. God has prepared good things we can do for his glory. Uh, James talks about this and with a, a really important question. James chapter 2 verses 14 through 17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Whoa! Our faith must produce good actions. It must. Otherwise, something's wrong. We're spiritually sick. Death is creeping in. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Really important for us. Again, this is for us as Jesus followers to respond of serving the city with love that works. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Listen, we got a lot of people that in their vocation are actually already at work in the common good for people. They have an opportunity to help address educational inequality in our city and to serve as teachers to help students in the city have a good education. I have people that work in, in IT for food distribution companies that, that even though it's for profit, are doing good in the city, which needs good food. Uh, there are many different vocations. We have, we have parents, we have people um, that are raising children. We have people that are working in a variety of business sectors where the part of the work is connected to the common good of all people. It's important for us to have this perspective that with everything that we do in this life, we should do it enthusiastically, not with a motive 
just for the other person, but do it for God. Do it the best way you can as a thank you to God, knowing that God will reward you one day in heaven. Even if you receive pay for it here on earth, that's not the end of it. And so we should do the best that we can in whatever we do in that way. So serving the city with love that works. So I want to talk right now in closing about the serving five. Serving five. Number one, prepare yourself to be available so that you can meet a need when you see it. I think one of the challenges, especially in a year where we've gone through an extended period of stress, maybe financial um, uncertainty, uh, different kinds of challenges, medical bills, different things. We need to come to a place of healing. We need to come to a place of freedom. We need to come to a place of, uh, of finding the provision that God has for whatever the need is that we're going through in, in our peace of mind, in our spirit, in our finances, in our vocation. Be willing to make some decisions that are based on God's value system. What we've looked at so far in this video is that God has a value system towards serving the city with love that works. And if we're going to align ourselves with God's value system, here's what we need to do. We call it courageous generosity. And what that means is that we believe that God's already given us his best. With salvation in Jesus, we've got something that is invaluable, that's amazing, that's wonderful. And so it motivates us to choose to live on less of our own resources so that we can be generous, so that we can give to others. You've got non-renewable resources, your time, energy, and money. And we can choose to live by God's value system, choosing where we live, choosing where we work, choosing what we drive, what we wear. We can make choices where there will be time, energy, and money that is available, available to give, available to share. Um, and we need to consider what we have that we can be generous with. Now, this, this can include some planning that takes time to have a real serious look at our budget, have a real serious look at the decisions we make about how we live, and to be available. And I want you to just consider that every little bit helps. Are you living in such a way where you have the time and energy to give a neighbor a listening ear? I really try to, with um, exercise, walking the dog, um, what I do with, um, if I'm going to work on something outside the house, to try to set up my week so that there's a little bit of time to spare so that I don't feel so rushed that if a neighbor wants to talk, I don't have time to talk to them and I feel stressed and then I'm not compassionate. I want to structure so that there's a little bit of time to spare. Now, this is hard for me because my normal is to live life to the fullest, to max out, to go full board and to spend every second and every dollar. Like my, that's my normal. I spend everything. I spend more than I've got, right? I had to learn how to change that habit. But even just with my energy, I, I, I live hard. And, and, uh, when I had a knee surgery, that's actually what the knee surgeon said. He said, you don't do anything halfway, you know, the, <laughs> Uh, but what I've learned is that that also can, that can bring some fulfillment, but it can also bring you total exhaustion and mean that you don't have the time and energy to even give a listening ear 
to people that God's put in your life, your family, your friends, your neighbors, extended family, coworkers, and things like that. And so I think that for all of us to have a value system, to recognize God's value system, for us to serve the city with love that works includes preparing yourself, thinking through how you're living so that you can meet a need when you see it. Are you living in such a way where you can recognize if a neighbor, somebody in your neighborhood has a need? And then you can ask a question, talk to them, see how they're doing. Don't just make assumptions and jump in. Um, And then if they have questions, maybe they've got stuff they want to talk about. You know, did God curse us with the coronavirus? Well, hey, that shouldn't be a question that you're afraid of. Um, You should be ready to have prepared yourself to meet a need when you see it. Um, Maybe someone lost their phone. Like, do you you have the time and energy to help them find their phone? Uh, Shoveling snow, that's one of the things that I like to do, like to be available for. Uh, Pulling the weeds is something that we're getting ready to do, right? And maybe you've got a neighbor that just, they can't, do it. And and maybe you need to prepare yourself to be available for them. Picking up trash in the neighborhood is something in our 10 and a half years of living in Baltimore City, that's something that my family, we do. We pick up trash in the neighborhood. Uh, bringing food to people in need. And I'm so glad this is easy to talk about because us as a church family, we're already doing that. We're, we're doing this for each other. We're helping each other in a number of ways. Loaning cars, bringing meals, uh, doing things. But you got to prepare yourself to be able to do it. Um, and then number two is take action. Take action. When you see a need, meet it. Get involved. If a person asks, if a person, you know, you ask permission, of course, you want to you want to make sure that you're protecting their dignity, showing them respect in it, loving respect, right? But don't be afraid to take action. We've got to take the step, do the thing, do the simple thing. God's already given you what you need to meet that person's need, reach out and meet the need. Now, number three, when the need is beyond you, team up with other people. And I have seen that. I've seen... Um, Leah, get involved with somebody in the neighborhood who had needs. And then when there were things that maybe she didn't know how to do, what to do, or didn't have you know time, energy, or money to do, get somebody else involved with that. Holly does that. Uh, Brian does that. You know, it's one of the things that we do. And, and, and I get a number of you will reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I've got this person and this is what I've already done for them. And but there, I, I need something more to meet the need. In fact, Jesus told a story, one of Jesus' parables, when he was talking about prayer and, and they, giving an example of what Father God is like. A person finds somebody who's in need, doesn't have everything they need to meet that need, and they go to Father God for the help. You've got to learn how to team up. Don't just say no. Let me say, ah, oh, you know, give me a day. Give me, give me a minute. Let me see if I can't figure out how to meet that need. We've got to have a value system to team up. And this is something that we as a church on a larger scale have always done. From our first year, we've always sent some of the uh, some of the money that you donate to meet other needs, and we've always gotten active and gotten involved with other organizations, with other churches. We did not say, "Oh, it's just the the need is beyond us." No, no, no. We say, "Okay, the need is beyond what we have the resources to give." So let's see who else has the same value system, and let's get involved with that. Let's team up. Really important. Number four, give generously toward the efforts of the church. We very rarely talk about this, but cityharborchurch.com slash give will help you understand the various different ways that you can make a donation to the church. Throughout scripture, 
Jesus affirms and, and mentions that you should make a financial, you should donation, you should give money to the house of God generously, that your giving should be out of a cheerful heart and that it should be generous. And I believe that everyone who is a Jesus follower should ask themselves, am I giving generously to the church? City Harbor Church, we meet needs. We help people transition from out of prison and into healthy, independent living. We do grocery distributions. We give books. We do a number of different things in the community. We've made donations directly to needs with other nonprofits and other churches in the community. We don't always talk about it. Uh, we, we, we can do better about that. But we give generously to meet needs in the city. And everyone who's a follower of Jesus should be asking themselves, am I being generous in my financial donations to the church. I think what you should do is you should make some decisions, like I talked about in point number one, to live on less of your own time, energy, and money so that you can do courageous generosity yourself, directly, and through the church. If we're doing both of those things, we're going to find fulfillment, we're going to find excitement, and it's going to be great. And number five, volunteer. Give of your time and energy. And again, we've already talked about this in a personal, but also we as a church family are going to give you opportunities to volunteer, show up, participate. And this is so easy to talk about because we just did this. And I'm so thankful that we are a church family who does volunteer. We're going to, but we have a vision for dreams toward many new ways that are going to provide many new ways for you to volunteer around this value system of serving the city with love that works. Get involved. It includes you personally, and it includes you getting involved with us as a group as we are getting involved with what God's already doing. We are discovering what God cares about, what God's thinking about, and we're responding to it with daily action. We're aiming to work together to bring help where it's needed. It includes all the ministries of the church, right? It doesn't replace anything that we do in worship and prayer and communion and water baptism and in the message of the good news of Jesus. Everything that we're doing there is some of our ways of serving the city with love that works, bringing salvation, bringing freedom spiritually and help. Those are priorities. The most important for us, our mission, right, as a church family. But it also includes Every, and, and that's woven into everything, youth ministries, parent ministries, um, all the ministries that we do. But then in that, that's also why we do Celebrate Recovery, a 12-step uh, ministry that we offer that helps people find Jesus as a higher power to find healing and freedom from life's hurts, hangups, and habits. And we've done it for six years in prisons. Um, we're, and we want to be per helping people with vocational help, helping them learn how to not be underemployed, but to find fulfillment in what God has designed them to do with their vocation. We want to do a lot more of that. We want to offer a lot more of that. We're going to have many new possibilities as we see the changes with coronavirus and vaccines and different things. We have a building, you know, that we 
that we lease, that we have full-time lease access to, where we want to be releasing some of your vision, whether it be cooking classes, whether it be literacy program, job training program, youth programs, recreational game nights, different things. We want to find a way to serve our city with love that works. And people need a place to fellowship. They need a place to get involved. That takes time, energy, and money in order to do it. And you've got an opportunity to be generous with it. So we've got a lot of different ways in which we can see for ourselves going forward that we can do it. But I want to talk just briefly about how we have applied this value system around grocery distribution. And I know that not all of you are totally into this, and so I just want to explain it a little bit. You may or may not be aware that grocery stores inside Baltimore City Limits have higher insurance premiums than grocery stores outside the city limits. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. Um, A higher cost in gas and electricity and water. Uh, but also the insurance is, uh, sorry, that's a part of the overhead, but the insurance is higher because of the crime rate inside the city limits is higher than outside the city limits. Well, one of the things that that results in is even something as simple as a pound of ground beef can be a dollar more on a normal basis inside the city limits than it is outside the city limits. A lot of other groceries are more expensive inside the city limits than they are outside the city limits. Ben, why are you talking about that? Let's talk about serving the city with love that works and why we do what we do. How we take the value system of God and apply it to action around a real need, okay? The median income, the average income of households in Baltimore is $51,000. In Baltimore, people in poverty are at 21.8%. 21.8%. It's basically 22% of people in Baltimore live at the poverty level. Now, think about this. That's compared to my hometown, Portland, Oregon, which is not a wealthy city like Seattle, San Diego, LA. But even in Portland, which really is a a middle-income area, the percentage of people that are at the poverty level is 9.6. So compare 9.6 or 10%, round it up, to 22% here in Baltimore City. 33% of children in Baltimore City live below the poverty line. One in three kids that you see in Baltimore live below the poverty line. What does the poverty line mean? Poverty line means that a household of one person in Baltimore, in average, is at $12,880 a year is their income. For a household of four that the, the poverty level income is $26,500 for a household of four. That's the poverty level. 22% of people who live in Baltimore are at that level. And there's extreme poverty, which is half of that. So think about $13,000, $14,000 a year. We have in Baltimore City double the national average, the number of people who live in extreme poverty. Ben, why are you talking about? Well, think about this. Spending money on groceries, when that's the amount of money that's in the household, that's available to the household, is a big decision. We bring in coronavirus, supply chain issues, and other challenges, and that a lot of people with lower paying jobs lost their jobs during coronavirus because there was instability, insecurity around that. So not only do we have less healthy food in the grocery stores compared to outside the city limits, the food is more expensive, but then people 
And it only takes one person in a household to lose a job to drastically affect whether they can get food. This is why we looked for an opportunity that was even beyond our ability to meet on our own. We linked up with other organizations. And that's why this past Saturday, we gave away 575 boxes of groceries, each box designed to feed one family. We're not trying to become better people. We're not trying to earn points with God. It doesn't change any of that. We're not trying, and we don't do big advertising around it. We're not doing a press release. We don't have the TV stations to come see us, to get our name out, to get more people to get to know who we are. That's not our motive. The agape love of God is the motive. Sincere appreciation, not selfishness. Our motive is the agape love of God and that God has already loved us. And so as a thank you to God, we want to be giving. This is why we say love gives. Love gives. Love gives helps us to come around this, hey, this is God's value system. And so we're going to make decisions based on that. Serving the city with love that works. So, We want to welcome in a whole lot more in the way of vision points around it, but we need to know what our neighbors are going through. One of the things that has really helped me um, is this book, Coming of Age in the Other America. Coming of Age in the Other America was a great, helpful work focused on Baltimore by Stephanie DeLuca, Susan Clampett Lundquist, and Catherine Eden. And they detail how resilient the young people who grow up in Baltimore City are. They follow 150 kids who grow up in Baltimore and show how resilient they are, but also show how much more difficult their life is than the average kid in the U.S. Remember, one out of three kids in Baltimore City are living below the poverty line, right? They're living in that state of challenge, and we need to understand what's going on so that we can be helpful. Regardless of how the poverty poverty has occurred. Now, Harvard did a long-term economic study of 100 U.S. cities. And they showed that of 100 cities that they studied, that Baltimore City was the most difficult city for someone who's been born into extreme poverty to get out of extreme poverty. We are living around. Our neighbors include children who need help. And we as a church family want to be serving the city with love that works because God has saved our souls, given us spiritual freedom. Heaven is our home. This life here on earth is temporary. That should change us, give us a fresh appreciation, give us a whole new value system, a whole new way of looking at our own lives, even in the challenges that we face. And I hope that you would engage with us as a church family. Say, God, help us dream again. Help us to dream again. Help us to see your dream of what you would have us to be doing as a church family. That we would sense why we We should be doing it. That's why we say we see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. We see a church serving the city with love that works. I hope this is helpful to you. Remember cityharborchurch.com slash messages. You can go back and find the notes, listen to the podcast, share it with somebody else on YouTube, Facebook, etc. Allow me to pray for you today. 
God, we have gone through a year of an extended period of stress and we may feel weak and exhausted and tired and inadequate or maybe even just compassion fatigue. And Lord, we need healing in our hearts, in our spirits so that we can feel your peace, so that we can experience your love, so that we can find new spiritual strength and freedom and your motivation for us individually and collectively to be serving our city with love that works. Out of this agape love motivation, help us, strengthen us, help us to look at you and your goodness, your greatness, and then out of a thank you, to be ready to take action. Help us to make those hard decisions, to prepare ourselves for it. Thank you for the opportunities you've already given us. Thank you, God, for all that you've already given us a chance to do and all the miracles we already have seen from all the donations and volunteering our church family has already done. God, you truly are a miracle worker. We thank you for it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for participating with this. Please feel free to share this message with someone else. Make sure you're getting involved in our Thursday nights and getting our weekly email newsletter. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.